Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. And today's a really cool day because I am here with Jacob Tell, who is a entrepreneur. He's a person of many hats. And today we're going to talk about his role as chief dreamer of District 216, which is his new really cool social club. I've known Jacob for a couple of years now, a few years in my role as Newshawk reporter. Uh, great guy, always have fun conversations. So this is going to be a cool conversation here. Really looking forward to it. Jacob Tell, how are you doing on this beautiful morning? Oh, I'm doing great. We finally have our spring, so I cannot complain. Exactly right. You know, we're getting a little bit of a season here. Um, Jacob, um, you're a really interesting guy. You're a tech guy. You're an entrepreneur. You're a young guy. You're somebody who every time I talk to, I feel like I learned something and uh, walk away sort of feeling like, wow, this guy's so cool. He's doing all this interesting stuff. He's living life. He's actually doing what he thinks uh, is the most interesting and enjoying the moment. And that's inspirational. So I want to talk to you. You've started this District 216 Club. I don't want to frame it incorrectly. I saw the website. I saw an email. Tell us what this club is. What is this all about? Absolutely. So District 216 is community-driven. Um, we are a social club. We're starting and launching and founding it here in Santa Barbara, in the community that I've been in for decades and love uh, and invest in uh, personally. But I do envision this to um, you know, be multi-location, multi-geography, and grow from Santa Barbara. Um, and essentially, we're calling it a, a psychedelic social club. But what we're doing is creating community around edutainment. This concept of bringing together education components with entertainment components. And we're doing that um, specifically based on four pillars of content, which is art, music, cannabis, and psychedelics. Um, these are burgeoning ecosystems. Uh, we are in a, a inflection point in humanity. And I personally uh, have had an incredibly um, potent experiences and uh, with psychedelics, and it's been a huge part of my interpersonal development uh, throughout my life. Um, and now that we're starting to see more research and more data kind of backing up uh, what we've known for so long, um, you know, this ecosystem is turning into an industry. Um, we're starting to have, uh, you know, more demographics coming into the space and being comfortable having experiences. We're starting to see, see what what these compounds are capable of in terms of treating hum humanity, you know, with PTSD, anxiety, depression, uh, eating disorders, and so on. And we want to cultivate a really healthy conversation, a safe space, a community, a place where brands, services, and products uh, can also be showcased. And people can come speak and learn and grow and share about these topics. Yeah, that's great. I want to, I want to talk about each one a little bit, but take me to the point, Jacob, when you sort of said, wow, I want to do this. How did you come to this realization that this is something that would benefit you and a lot of other people? Sure. I mean, experiencing the pandemic globally, collectively, I think we all realized kind of what does and does not matter in our personal lives. Um, and I certainly did in my business life. And and so for me, the theme coming out of pandemic mode and moving back into where, where, we, where we are again is um, alignment. Can we all live in alignment? And so not only 
um, is the theme and the topics of District 216, certainly in alignment, but building community um, and, you know, having an event space here in Santa Barbara and doing decades of marketing and communication campaigns uh, was the perfect storm to kind of bring this, bring this together uh, into a new business model of a membership driven social club. So when, when all of these components kind of came together, um, really, I think it, it sparked in 2021, um, and, and really launched in late 2022, early 2023. And, um, it was that business model that was kind of the missing component. It was realizing that, you know, having a membership driven entity will create this very, um, interpersonal community. It will add a little bit of exclusivity. Um, it will make sure that people that are coming in really do want to be there and that we can elevate and have those right conversations. Great. Let's start with the fourth pillar first and then work backwards. Psychedelics. Okay. So talk to me about what that means in the context of your social club. Is this mushrooms? Uh, what exactly is happening? What are people doing? And I would imagine that that's kind of a scary concept for some because of the the stigma around what that means. And so can you talk a little bit about how do psychedelics work into this club and how do people feel safe experiencing them? Sure. Um, so first of all, to be clear, we're not actually a container for like facilitating journeys or doing the actual compounds here in our space. However, we are uh, vetting, you know, guides and um, therapists and doctors who are prescribing or guiding um, psychedelic journeys. And so we want to make sure that we're able to help vet the right folks and so that our members feel safe and comfortable saying, you know what, I'm really looking to do a psilocybin journey or do ketamine assisted therapy or go find an ayahuasca retreat. I don't know where to start. You know, where should I start? How do I have this conversation? Well, this is the place for that. So again, just to be clear, we're not facilitating those experiences, but we are facilitating the connection to trusted folks that are doing that. Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about psychedelics, um, it's very different than, than the cannabis industry. You know, psychedelics is not cannabis 2.0. This is not, um, you know, really one of the key takeaways is that the cannabis industry we've learned a lot from, and cannabis is at the end of the day, a commodity. It's a product. Psychedelics, though, it's not just a commodity or product. It's actually a service. This is a service industry. It's driven around um, people coming together um, to experience things. And there needs to be, um, you know, people that are coming out of training programs, for example, up at MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Sciences. They train therapists, psychotherapists, psychiatrists, psychologists to go through and become integration therapists for, say, psilocybin or MDMA, um, because these clinical trials are happening and we're about to have the FDA approve MDMA and then psilocybin for certain treatments, especially around PTSD, depression, anxiety. And so we need to have a bunch of folks that have credentials, you know, that are credentialed therapists that come out and understand how to integrate these into their practices. And so, um, for example, that's a big area with when you say psychedelics, 
that actually some of our first members that joined District 216 are from that world. Mm -hmm. You know, Santa Barbara is lucky that we have places like Pacifica and Antioch and these graduate programs where we have some amazing folks in the consciousness and wellness and psychology communities. And they've come in to be members of the club because of these conversations and because of the facilitation that's needed to help guide people through these very profound experiences. And to your point, sometimes they may be scary. Mm -hmm. So I will just be honest. Um, I've not, you know, participated in, in that, right. I don't, um, uh, mushroom psychedelics. It's, it's a little bit of a world that feels a little mysterious and no, you know, no judgment. I, I know people who do sort of, you know, micro dosing and maybe that's not the right term that you guys do, but, but, um, and they, 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 they love it. It's great. You know, they really enjoy it. Um, maybe we can talk you, Jacob, you, your journey, you know, what, what, what does psychedelics do for you and your experience? How can you sort of explain to people consciousness and what it does to your ability to see the world? Sure. Um, we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> I'll, give some, <laughs> I'll give you some top lines. I mean, really for me, uh, it's done different things at different phases of my, of my life, you know, from coming into adulthood and, you know, being here at UCSB and those college experiences, uh, to, you know, live music experiences to very personal spiritual experiences in nature. And ultimately most recently culminating with some ketamine assisted therapy, uh, this last year after my father passed away, going through a tremendous amount of grief and processing that um, and having some quite profound and and hugely effective um, outcomes from, from doing some ketamine-assisted therapy. So it depends on kind of the set and setting and the phase in, of, of my life in which um, and how I would answer that question. But essentially, um, this has given me a lot of objectivity. It's allowed me to think um, differently and open my mind um, to different possibilities. It's allowed me to feel more connected in one with uh, the universe, with humanity, um, with our community. And so those are definitely a lot of the values that we've brought into District 216. In fact, um, speaking of my father, he was a writer and a poet, and he inspired me to do a lot of the same. And I, I've sort of been channeling a lot of the values that he's instilled in me and ultimately brought that together into the District 216 Manifesto, which is on the website and, and describes exactly the types of value system um, and structure that, that this community em embodies. And so a lot of these things thread back to those psychedelic experiences, but also the interpersonal uh, connections that, that I've had in my life, uh, particularly with, with my loved ones. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that about your father. Sorry to hear about that. Um, you know, that's uh, something we all have to experience at some point. And it's great to see that you're able to uh, deal with that, you know, with this way. Um, it's not a escape, you know, it's, it's all, it's like healing for a lot of people, these yeah. experiences. And I think that's the message that um, I get from people who, who I talk to. Um so there's the psychedelics. Is is that is that mushrooms? Is that that's so, yeah. So psilocybin mushrooms fall into that category. Absolutely. There's a lot of compounds. The the term psychedelic can be a little bit uh, polarizing, and we intentionally kept it. You yeah. know, when I was launching this, a lot of folks were saying, you know what? If you put psychedelics right up front, you're going to really 
um, just automatically have association back to the 60s and sort of the the hippie movement and all this. And I said, well, you know what? We're taking the word back because it's it means mind manifesting and it's quite accurate. And it's an umbrella term that encompasses a number of compounds. Yes, including LSD and psilocybin mushrooms, DMT, ayahuasca, um, ketamine, MDMA are putting being put into this category as well. There are, um, you know, countless other compounds that are either synthetic or uh, organic that we're finding, um, you know, that have been used um, culturally, historically, ritualistically um, with uh, indigenous people for thousands and thousands of years. Um, it's fascinating now, actually, if you Google about recent archaeological finds, you're starting to see um, proof of these compounds um, being used 8,000, you know, 10,000 years ago um, or, or more. And so this has been a huge part of humanity. We've always looked towards mind altering states and using compounds to get there for visions, for um, all sorts of reasons in society. And so this stuff isn't going away, you know, having Richard Nixon's war on drugs, uh, slap some, some arbitrary laws uh, on the books for 50 years, uh, paused things, but it certainly didn't um, didn't erase, uh, you know, hum humans relationships with these compounds. And now we've had this opportunity to actually get real research, real studies, you know, universities and private and public funding backing those studies so that we can come out and say, you know what, the benefits outweigh the, outweigh the risks. These are non-addictive compounds. They actually, in many cases, help people with addiction, be it opioid or alcohol or other. And this is the time for us to take control of our relationship with these compounds and move society and progress us forward. Wow. Okay, great. Well said. Uh, let's shift a little bit to cannabis. Cannabis obviously is deeply rooted in our mainstream now, at least in California and many other states. And I want to ask you, how does that fit in? Um, is it if you join the club, it's it's a safe space for for conversations about cannabis and cannabis use or talk about how that fits into District 216? Yeah, we, we didn't want to ignore cannabis. In fact, you know, coming from the cannabis industry, um, from my from my day job, my marketing agency, um, we'd put on many events in this space. We've built a community and a network in this space and very much, uh, akin to the psychedelics conversation around healing. We could have that same conversation with cannabis, you know, in terms of medical use, in terms of therapeutic, therapeutic use. And these compounds that we're learning more and more about the cannabinoids, um, what all of these things do, what the benefits of CBG and CBN and CBD are. Um, we need to have a space for those conversations as well. And so we've already had a couple of speakers specifically focused on cannabis and hemp um, come to our events. And yeah, that's a that's another pillar of our content. What would you say to people who know about your group, know about your your uh, club and 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 or watch this podcast or see what you're doing and feel as though maybe they're they're kind of stuck in that 60s mentality right it, it, it's like oh cannabis is bad um you know it's associated with certain types of lifestyles of course psychedelics associated with that sort of woodstock hippie you know spinning out in the middle of nowhere there's people who 
still have those perspectives when you mention those words. Um, obviously, there's a large audience of people who don't and have moved past that. But to those people who still have some trepidation about those terms and those words, what would you say to them to help them maybe think about opening their mind? I would say know your source of information. Where did you learn this? You know, I grew up in the just say no, dare um, era. And I had to deprogram and unwind a lot of the thinking that was instilled upon me around first it was cannabis. I mean, I learned about the the benefits of hemp, just the hemp plant, not not the smoked, you know, cannabis uh, female version, but just hemp in all its uses and why hemp was actually um, not used. Um, you know, Henry Ford's first car being made of hemp and all these industries um, basically, you know, being uh, threatening, um, you know, hemp threatening timber and and paper and textiles and all these industries. And so, of course, back in the 20s and 30s, there was a campaign against the hemp industry. So we have to go back and, and actually kind of learn, you know, the history of why those stigmas exist. Um, why did Nixon start the war on drugs? It was to control black and brown communities and populations and free thinking hippie populations. And so the easiest way to do that was to create a system to schedule these drugs as having no medical uh, benefit and making them top priority for law enforcement to put people in jail. And so that's what happened um, in in, this, in the early 70s. And so we're now having to de-program uh, and relearn and actually go back to the real reasons why these why, why these stigmas exist. And I think to anybody that's having a challenge with that, um, it just takes education. Uh, it takes research. You don't have to dig too far. I mean, we have YouTube now, but come to our come to our events. Come talk to this community in person if you have those questions. And there's a lot of really intelligent, um, grounded, savvy folks that are in and around the space, and we're looking for for more that are either on the the curious side who've never done psychedelics, and maybe they have a family member that's experiencing end of life and you know, they've heard that, you know, some kind of a psilocybin journey could help with that or, um, you know, somebody else that's experiencing PTSD and or anxiety and depression. I mean, there's so many reasons for the conversations to be had, even if it's not for you personally. Right. I think we live in such an incredible era uh, for the, the new generation, the young generation, people, you know, in their 20s, because they can talk about cannabis or psychedelics openly without fear of uh, arrest or criminalization, at least in California, uh, without fear of uh, stigma among large groups of population. You know, you you and I, I, don't, I think I'm probably older than you, but yeah, growing up in that Reagan era um, is, we're afraid, right? You know, it's very polarizing. Drugs are bad, just, just say no. You know, I remember watching my father, you know, like be so secretive of, like smoking a joint or something, you know, it's like this huge, like, oh, no one can know. And you kind of, you know, see them, you know, in the garage or something. And it's like, what's going And And that's such an, I, I hope young people understand how privileged and lucky we are to live in a generation now where you can have these conversations without right. fear of incredible stigma attached to it. Um, and then you have art and music. So how do those interface with District 216? 
Yeah, these are our common languages of humanity, art and music. This is where the creative mind and consciousness allow its best expression. And so it's really critical that we have a foundation of art and music for this community, for these conversations. And so that when you're coming into our events, also, it's very visually stimulating. There's, uh, you know, music is stimulating. We, we want these things to open us up so that we can really, truly experience that full alignment and come to these events and, and this community with our with ourselves so we can express, um, you know, the greatest versions of ourselves and have really meaningful, impactful interactions um, every time. Wow. So can you talk to me about District 216 in terms of how it works? Do you do you meet uh, once a week, once a month? Um, this yeah. could transition into low dose studios, but how yeah. do you actually navigate this if you join this club? Yeah, so we actually have uh, four main benefits. I'll go through them briefly. Um, one of them is called the District House, and actually every Wednesday night we have a different guest, and they come in for an interview. Maybe they do a presentation, like a PowerPoint kind of thing, or a lecture. Maybe they're doing an interactive workshop. You know, we've had sound healing, we've had breath work, uh, we've had yoga, these sort of things. But also, um, you know, we had um, Larry Norris, who's the um, organizer of Decriminalized Nature in Oakland, uh, California. He came down from Oakland to speak about the importance of decriminalizing entheogenic plants and fungi in these cities. So actually, we have an initiative now because of him. Um little side side tangent for you, but it's important. We are looking to make Santa Barbara the 17th city. You know, these guys in Oakland have done it 16 times, including Oakland and Santa Cruz and some other California-based cities to decriminalize and make it the lowest priority for law enforcement um, for people to possess and use ceremonially or gift um, psychedelic compounds, entheogenic plants and fungi. So that's an example of the type of caliber person that we're bringing in. Um, these smaller Wednesday night gatherings are for members, but we also allow guests to purchase tickets to them. Obviously, if you're joined as a member, you come to these events for free. Um, we do allow guests to purchase tickets. And then every two months, we put on what we call a marquee event. The second big benefit of our membership is that you can come to all the marquee events. We're doing six a year every two months. Our next one is May 20th. We've got one in July, one in September coming up after that. And this is where we have a really awesome, lively discussion panel around a certain topic. We have live music, we have stand-up comedy, there's food, there's networking, there's interactive demos, we have brands. It's a little bit TED Talk meets a little bit of a conference with with a live, live show as well. So um, the run of show is very unique. I've never really experienced anything quite like it, but it's something that I envisioned that I wanted for myself. And so that's what we decided to do for the marquee events. The last two benefits, um, one of which is that you can actually, as a member, co-create an evening, uh, bringing in your own network and putting on something yourself in the space and allowing our members to come and join. Um, and then uh, we're filming the workshops and the panels and the lectures and the interviews, and we're putting this content together online. And so the fourth benefit is that as a member, you gain access to this whole library of curriculum. And so we're building up that content now. Uh, we launched in January of 2023. And so we're hoping by the summertime to have this content, um, in a, enough of it in a library to, to add some value and start selling memberships, not just here in Santa Barbara for the people that can actually go to the events, but globally to people that may just want the online content. Wow. 
Okay. So let's talk about you, Jacob. You are uh, a risk taker. You're an entrepreneur. We've talked over the years about various ventures. Uh, you've, you've been very successful at uh, many things. Uh, who who are you? Like, how did you get your start? Did you grow up locally? Can you talk a little bit about uh, who was Jacob like through the years and, and how you came to be the guy that we know today? Sure. No, I grew up in um, San Diego County, um, Carlsbad, and, you know, a couple formative um, factoids or, or, or versions of myself back then certainly was music. I was in all the different permutations of band, including marching band, which was extremely formative, you know, and adds uh, quite a bit of layers of leadership and discipline. And also through scouting, um, I, I made it all the way to Eagle Scout and, you know, being in nature and, and having a spiritual connection through through those camping trips throughout my life is a, is a big part of who I who I am as well. Um, coming to UC Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara in the late 90s, graduating and honestly just not wanting to work for anyone else, I started my own business called Oniracom. It's a marketing agency, and I've been operating that for almost 22 years now here in Santa Barbara the entire time. We started in the music space. We were building web and e-commerce for music uh, brands, uh, artists, and record labels, and and venues and festivals. Um, and then we started to work with lifestyle brands, cannabis groups. Um, but yeah, we work with a lot of local uh, Santa Barbara community and nonprofit as well. Um, we've we've got you know a number of um, campaigns that we're running um, here, including with like Community Environmental Council on Earth Day, and we work with the Santa Barbara Bowl and many others. Um, and so you know, being an entrepreneur in this community. Um, what I realized is how much connectivity there is. And so we've always tried to produce events, bring people together, uh, be involved on the entrepreneurship side. Um, you know, I love going back to UCSB, to my alma mater and speaking to students about uh, career and, and future things. We found a lot of interns that way, actually. And yeah, and so um, when the pandemic hit and we had this building, we had our, our the marketing agency there, you mentioned Lodo Studios. Basically, we we looked around and went, what are we going to do with the space? Um, started to rent it out. We started to rent it out for actually photo and video and, and live streams. And the nonprofit groups in town who couldn't do their galas uh, in person because of the pandemic, we ended up hosting over 35 different live stream events where these nonprofits came into our space and ran a virtual live stream gala. And were able to raise this, the money and do and stay operating through the pandemic. Um, so that was a really cool thing. And then we decided, you know what, let's keep running this out for events. And we we started the brand Lodo Studios. It just simply means lower downtown because um, that's where we are in Santa Barbara. And it's a space that the community uses for um, productions and for events. And so can very conveniently tying it all the way back around to District 216, I, I decided I've got the space. We've got the marketing agency. We need that because we need brand and video and social and web and all these things for district 216 to thrive um so having those components in place made it made it a lot easier uh, to launch this venture here yeah yeah really really interesting journey and just uh driven you know it shows how driven you are i'm kind of interested a little bit though in in you like did you did you uh your parents conservative were they liberal were they a little bit my of parents liberal? are hippies man my parents are awesome uh, uh my Parents were just incredible hippies that, you know, love and light and community uh, driven. Same with their parents. You know, my grandparents, I've, we've got this lineage of 
giving back and being part of the community. And um, they've instilled a lot of these values in, in me as well. And so when you uh, were going to college, was it always your dream at UCSB to to do what you're doing? Or did you have aspirations to, you know, be be just like a more conservative job? I'm just going to, you know, go work for somebody. You mentioned you didn't like having a boss. Where does that come from? I never really envisioned working at a big company or anything. I, I always envisioned doing my own thing. I don't know where that entrepreneurial um, gene comes from. I have some you know, aunts and, and folks in my family that were that way. But most of my direct family, parents and grandparents and, and other cousins and stuff are educators. And, you know, education is a huge component of, of our DNA fabric as well. But yeah, I don't know. I don't exactly know why at UCSB it was like, hey, let's let's start a, a company and do this. But I mean, the Internet was young. This was 2001. Yeah. We just kind of come out of the dot com burst. And two of the three of us, the other two, not me, were both engineers and very savvy when it came to web. And it was really hard to like build e-commerce and complex websites back then. And so we had something kind of unique and cool. And we decided, let's take a risk and do this. Um, and it just organically uh, went. I didn't know what it meant to run a business or be an entrepreneur, or I didn't even know what the term marketing agency meant. I mean, we were like a web shop that eventually evolved into a marketing agency, but I had to just make a lot of mistakes and learn along the way and take those risks. Um, can you, you uh, market, you did, you did a lot of work marketing for uh, local stars, local, you know, can you talk a little bit about some of your clients over the years and who you've worked with? Yeah. yeah I mean, in the music space, we were lucky enough to um, engage with Jack Johnson from his first record on. So 2001, we've been working with Jack and, uh, his uh, entire ecosystem, his record label, his nonprofit groups, Kakua Hawaii Foundation, the Johnson Ohana Foundation, uh, for 21 years. Um, we still to this day support Jack in their endeavors. And because of what they've done in terms of sustainability, environmental initiatives, that got baked into our DNA early as a group. And, and we were cause-driven. We did a lot of cause-driven marketing um, for different groups over the years. Um, but yeah, we we have worked with local local smaller um, artists as well, um, and all all the way up to major record labels. You know, we were being um, kind of agency of record for Universal and Sony and Warner and EMI for for a decade as well. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's go back to the beginning in District Two Sixteen. You mentioned you want to grow this. You want to make this bigger than Santa Barbara South Coast. There's going to be an online sort of membership opportunity and content. For people who are watching and learning about District 216, um, how do they get involved? What, what do they do? I mean, do you have to, to go through an interview to make sure you're kind of a good fit? Do you just sign up? There's obviously some membership fees involved. Uh, you know, let's sort of just end because I'm sure people are going to be like, wow, how do I join that club? You know, so talk to us about like. Yeah, how I mean, you can sign up at district216.com for now. We are. Um eventually going to be more vetting and doing more interviews right now. Um, when you sign up, we absolutely are doing um, outreach and direct contact because I want to hear from people uh, why they want to join the group, what they want to get out of it um, and what they think they can bring to it. And so having direct conversations with each, with each member is really important to me. Um, also 
if you are unsure, you're on the fence, come out and try one of our events. Come to a Wednesday night. You know, these are smaller. These are 20 to 30 person. The, the bigger ones are a couple hundred, but come to a smaller event. See what you think. You know, meet some of the talent that we're bringing in um, and, and you know, get on the mailing list. Uh, you can go to district216.com and sign up for the mailing list, and then you'll be uh, getting weekly updates on what we're doing. But, um, but yeah, we'd love to have anyone here in town be some of the early members because we do plan to grow this and use it as a model to go to other locations. I'd love to have a, an East coast, probably New York and then Denver kind of middle of the country and expand from there. But my, I've always kind of used this anecdote of like, can you imagine going to Mexico city, um, you know, plugging into the consciousness, psychedelics, wellness community down there because you're a district 216 member and you go to the club there. And now all of a sudden you've got all of these resources locally. I mean, that's my vision. That's the community that we're that we're growing right now. Great, and um, it's going to be fun to watch to see how this grows because you keep kind of—I wouldn't say reinventing yourself, but you keep adding on new things to everything that you do. And uh, this latest venture seems to be really good timing, perfect timing to bring all of these pillars, all of these different interests uh, together. So um, I appreciate your time, Jacob. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your club and your experience and uh, look forward to, you know, seeing what, what you're doing next year, two years, five years from now, because you're one of these people who is just, you know, for, for people who are like go to work every day and do their thing. It's like, well, look at this guy. He's, he's really doing his own thing, you know, and that's, that's inspirational for sure. So I appreciate you taking the time to share your story. Have a great day. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.